Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time again. Long time no see. All you sexy motherfuckers out there, it is time for the snob cast. And I believe we're on episode 22. Is that right? Episode 22 of the Snobcast, and of course, joining me as always, little sissy herself, my much smarter half, Shay Simone, say what's up. What's up, everybody? How's it going? I'm uh, wearing a giant hat, and I've got my Michelob right here pulled up. I'm on vacation mode. Uh, I hope everyone has been taking care of themselves, because I know it's been a one hell of a season for some reason. That it has. And joining us once again, the dulcet tones of Mr. James Schneider. Jamie is back. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. And Shay, you're right. It has been a a strange season. But uh, we're here to rough some of those rough edges out, chilling with slippers and socks and sweatpants. And we are going to get this thing rolling. Yes, I'm wearing pajamas and, 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 and fuzzy socks. It's a great day. Um, w. I got a, I got a ghost pizza on my shirt. Before we get started, wow, I do have to hand out a thank you. Um, perfect day for this to come in. Netflix sent me a gift today. Oh, oh damn! The f- new 4K oh, Ultra Blu-ray God. release of All Quiet on the Western Front. Thanks, Netflix, for that. We'll have a video out uh, showing everybody all the goodies we've collected over the last year on our YouTube channel. So thanks Netflix for this great ultra HD 4K release. Can't wait to watch that on my PS5 when I get my new TV. Um, it's gonna look pristine, all the blood and violence. Winner of Seven Baptists, nominated for several Oscars. All Quiet on the Western Front, a remake of a Best Picture winner. Today's topic is not about good movies, like All Quiet on the Western Front. No, 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 no. We're talking about bad movies. A favorite topic of mine, and we're going to talk about some movies that are bad, that we don't like, that are genuinely kind of bad, uh, and explain what they are, why we don't like them, and why they are fucking terrible. And as usual, because of the way we do things, we always let our esteemed guests go before myself and Shay, and our esteemed guest again this time is Mr. James Schneider. So James, why don't you pick one of your picks and tell your audience what it is and tell them what it, why we should hate it, and we probably do hate it. So. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you, Will. Um, that's very kind of you guys. Well, I'm going to start off, and you know what? It's nothing... Before I before I, we get into this, I also want to clarify, you know, like, it, it takes... I understand that it takes... It takes a village to make films. People, people put hard hours into them. But for some reason, they put hours into amalgamations of just very poorly put together ideas which is my first pick and it's very recent the title is Halloween Ends oh boy. Oh boy. and it was not the way to end Halloween nor do I think it it should have had another ending to begin with, but you know, that's another conversation for another day. All right. Well, basically Halloween ends from the title sequence. You can tell that it took a, a lot of different people to put it together, but not in a collaborative good way. 
it took a lot of people, a lot of different producers, a lot of different writers. I think there were five or six writers on oh Halloween. Oh my gosh, it took five or six writers to write this piece of shit? Yeah. <laughs> I'd say I'd say it would. And I could have wrote this was... on a, nap- a gas station napkin. Quite. <laughs> yeah. It, you could have easily just scribbled it with some mustard from the concession stand at, at a 7-Eleven and just made a, you know, like a drawing of Michael Myers, like like a six-year-old drawing with a mustard outline. And it would have been a bit more appealing than what we got, which, granted, there are very few good ideas here. The first, I I really like that Michael Myers is like this undead ghost thing, which I guess he always has been, but it's more apparent in this. Um, but it all goes out the window when we throw a bunch of new characters in that really are just not charismatic or likable at all. Not the actors, the characters, the writing was not great and just not a huge fan of of the last halloween trilogy i think the greatest halloween is the first one and people can call me snobby if they'd like but guess what the name of the podcast is bitches correct so i think i think halloween ends is probably one of the worst films i've ever seen can I say, that this regard. has got to be, we've seen where actresses or actors will go and make a really bad movie after they win the Oscar. Jamie Lee Curtis did it right before she won one. Yeah. Absolute win for Jamie. Like, I she, mean, she did, she did her really best in there, but she got the Oscar afterwards. For me, was, what was the one before was, this called? Halloween right. Kills? Is that, that, that was the one before this is called? Yes, that was the yes. Can I tell you, I didn't see Halloween ends because in Halloween Kills, they jumped the shark for me by betraying the character of Michael Myers' entire essence within the first half hour of the movie. And that really took me out of this, not wanting to see this, and it took me out of the rest of Halloween Kills because I just thought, that movie's so bad. I just couldn't I couldn't deal with that, man. So it's really funny. Well, you would have really disliked Halloween ends if you didn't like the first half of Halloween Kills. Yeah, I'm glad um, I skipped that one. They definitely yeah. just kept it. Um because I, I feel like I have not I've seen the first two of the this trilogy in particular. I have not watched Halloween Ends because I don't think it was it it definitely was not just you, James. Everyone was kind of dreading this movie and it, it's just that kind of sort of awful closure I think uh, certain people needed when when they invested in this particular trilogy thankfully I was not that invested there are bits and pieces a lot of bits and pieces that I think are really cool about the first and second one Halloween Kills was pretty bad but it had some good kills it it did make me care about like what that old couple that got like fucking butchered um yeah that's the scene I'm talking about that's the exact scene I'm talking about. It betrayed the character of Michael Myers. How how in particular? Because Michael Myers does not kill innocent people for his own gain. Not necessarily. He's never done that. He does now. 
He does now, baby. He like I like to. It's the Michael Myers genocide. The man is committing like yeah. not just. It's not a massacre anymore. He's. I don't know how this town still has an economy after this, because he's basically <laughs> killed over half of the population. At yeah. this point, and yet none of them it's are always stroke. <laughs> exactly. She, hey kid, you want to work the graveyard shift? I pay you thirteen an hour. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't pay me thirty thirty five dollars an hour to work anywhere near Hattonfield. Jeez. Gas station employees have it bad there. That's for sure. <laughs> That's gotta be. I mean, all because of one dude is probably the most dangerous city to live in at that point. Yes. Um, crime rate up uh one hundred and twenty percent just because probably. of him. And just it was just like it was like there were parts of it that were entertaining, but honestly, I can't remember. I couldn't tell you the plot of either one of those movies other than Michael escapes and Jamie Lee Curtis comes back and we get Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter and granddaughter. I think her, what doesn't her, I mean, spoilers, but her daughter gets killed at the end of uh, Halloween Kills. Kills. Yeah, Judy Greer. He kills. Listen, Judy if Greer, you haven't seen which... Halloween Kills, let's save an hour and a half of your life. Don't see the fucking movie. It's terrible. I feel like they, uh, I mean, if you really cared enough about like the whole franchise, you could say that they uh, Hunger Games mocking jade it. You could say they Deathly Hollows it. It's just way too. Much. <laughs> yeah, they just, definitely. I don't, I don't know that reference because I haven't seen Harry Potter. The whole franchise could have been summed up in like just like keep the scenes short. You got a great thirty minutes of like actual like interesting good movie out of this entire franchise. Um. And, and again, I haven't seen the last one, but I think that also shows just how how convincing the franchise has been for me, and that it's just not at all. And I just, I'll just add this one more thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys probably are never going to see it, so I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, if Michael Myers is on the poster, the title of the film is Halloween Ends. And basically every Halloween movie, we see Michael fairly soon into the opening. If I recall, he's minutes. not really in Halloween three a lot. Um, no, he would not be, because that was actually one of the most interesting things I think a property has ever done by trying to make Halloween an anthology. Which I wish I wish they I wish they would have kept doing that. Because could you imagine that like a Goosebumps type? Halloween film series, yes. or like not Goosebumps, but you know, like and no, like different. It. So there's Michael Myers, and then there's the witches, and then there's something else, and then there's something else, and they do it in the same vein as like, that style. That'd be like, really. What would have happened if spooky story, uh, stories to tell in the dark had been good? Yeah, mm. I, I haven't I haven't seen it yet, so I can't speak to it. It's but, not good. Um, um, yeah. There's your yeah. Well, I will I will take your word for it. Well. Just um, things that Guillermo gives to it are the good things, which unfortunately the Halloween series did not have. I think correct. the director, what's his name? David Gordon Green. I was just about to mention David Gordon Green. What the fuck happened to David Gordon Green? Go back to making comedies because Pineapple Express is brilliant. I don't think it's, yeah. it's a very, I mean, it's called Halloween Ends. 
because people were like, just fucking end it already. It ended we're all done. right. Whole closure, just fucking end it. And that's it ended. The, the create the creators or filmmakers, which I did look it up. It was it is six writers who wrote this movie. Jeez, um, it took six people yeah. to write this fucking movie. And it's Michael like, Myers yeah. isn't shown until like an hour in. What the? Just so we're clear. So I just want to say, in regards to David Gordon Green, his first decade of this century was amazing. All the real girls, George Washington and Snow Angels, Pineapple Express are all brilliant. And then the 2010s happened and he just fell off a fucking cliff. He he started making mo- like cool like ugh, commercial movies, I guess. Well, he made commercial movies because Pineapple Express is a, a commercial movie, but it's amazing. Yeah. Commercial movies, but here it just feels very it's a very marketable it's a very marketable movie it's i don't know i haven't seen any of the scream the new scream movies but it also rings to me that whole thing where it's it's the whole remake gimmick this whole wave of just remaking and remaking i i think disney is pretty much at fault for that but the horror industry has been very notoriously terrible for that like I guess you could say ever since the 2000s with like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all that. Jesus, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. How many remakes have we have? But my gosh. I'm glad you guys mentioned that though, because we're going to talk about uh, some stuff like that. It feels like a Marvel movie to me, honestly. Yeah. It's got that heartlessness, you know? That is the exact word I would use for the Marvel films now is heartlessness. Great, uh, great uh, descriptor there, Shay. And I, I want to say, I'm glad you brought that up because our secret topic today has a lot to do with remakes and sequels. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Mm, okay. And one of my picks also has to do slightly with remakes and sequels. Actually, Let's two. hear it. So, no, it's not my turn. It's actually Shay's oh. turn. She's going to pick her movie. What you got for me, Shay? So this is this is very 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 exciting. I chose a movie from uh, a director who I'm actually not a super huge fan of, and I um this is a very big meme movie and it's trending again. <laughs> the movie is glitching her out. That's how cursed this is. This movie made me glitch out um, because I I literally couldn't finish it. It can't. It came from a director who is very notorious in the horror world but i also think he's actually kind of a terrible fucking director um so to introduce this movie i'm gonna read a quote from it and i'm gonna do my very best to get through it it's very long but it's very iconic if you can tell what i'm talking about uh listeners and people uh okay here i'm gonna start death death you're gonna kill me you're gonna fucking kill me why? Why? Because I fucked you? You fucked me! You fucked me! You came to my house! You came to me! I got you a car! I brought you your clothes! You took a fucking bubble bath! You wanted it! You wanted it! You came on- What was I supposed to do? You sucked my cock! You both fucking sucked my cock! It was free pizza! Free fucking pizza! Right, that's all I could take. James, <laughs> James is dying. So if you I couldn't just... already, 
uh, it's Knock Knock, starring the one and only best actor of all time, Keanu. Oh, God. <laughs> Allow that, me. Okay, so it just shows only... up at my fucking door. What am I supposed to do? We're flight attendants. Come on, fuck us. No one will know. Come on, fuck us. Oh, twosomes, threesomes, it doesn't matter. Starfish, husbands, you don't give a fuck. You just fuck anything. You just fuck anything. When you lied to me and I tried to help you, I let you <laughs> in. I was a good guy. I'm a good father and you just fucking fuck me. What? Now you're going to kill me? Now you're going to kill me? Why? 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 Because you fucked me? What the fuck? 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 This is fucking insane. Wait, where's the speaking? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is probably, um, and I have a lot of bad movies. There's a lot <laughs> of movies. Hate. Oh my God. I really had to resist talking about some movies that I've already talked about on the podcast. Will, you probably already know what I'm talking about or referring to. But Knock yes, Knock was a movie that I just absolutely could not finish for the life of me. Because I thought, you know, I knew what it was going into it. I knew it was a like just a, one of those Nicolas Cage, Keanu Reeves, just outrageous kind of Mimi moments movies. But I did not expect also how much meandering drivel there wasn't it and how much i i almost kind of think it was trying to drive in some sort of point or message pertaining to the horror of the movie it's just like these two hot ladies come in and rape keanu reeves for two hours and it was not it just was not anything and i did not take any pleasure in seeing keanu reeves being raped by two hot girls i don't know if the horror is simply just the double standard I don't know if it's taking like a slasher, well, not a slasher, but like a torture, psychological torment kind of angle or whatever, but I didn't buy any of it. It's not intense. It's not scary. I think for me, it's literally just disgusting and incredibly boring and gross. <laughs> but at least you have the end scene where you get Keanu Reeves in a hole watch uh, watching as they upload torture porn to his facebook and supposedly it's supposed to ruin his life or whatever yeah, but yeah his life I, is gonna be much longer but yes i could not finish this movie and that's all it's just a terrible movie and i'm not a fan of eli roth either i don't know him as a person but if he was like a gross disgusting like man it reflects a lot in his movies like I could I that's why I've never seen the Green Inferno. If I did, it probably would end up on this list because it ends up on a lot of people's like no-go lists and all that. I wasn't a fan of Hostel. Hostel 2 was fine. I he I just I disagree like reverse that. That's fine. Yeah. But like Hostel was pretty like impactful. Like I I remember, Hostel is fucking I, remember I saw that. Awful. I actually <laughs> like yeah yeah. But, like, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, that's all. I don't really have much else to say about this movie. And that's, that's why I also have Keanu Reeves very depressed behind me. Because that's how this movie made me feel. I uh, I wanted to a laugh. Brilliant monologue. I wanted to be... I, I tried being brave watching this movie. And I just... I just felt very disappointed and disgusted and icky. This movie is awful. And uh, I, I'm going to read you a part of a review that I thought was really, really, really understood it. 
our two young actresses are just that young and it shows their inexperience and that they're not particularly great performances. They come off as super mature and their intentions are never quite clear. Why in the hell are they doing what they're doing? This lack of understanding, I believe, is completely the fault of Roth, who, along with Nicholas Lopez, wrote the script. Did you say that's about right? Mm-hmm. I would also say that um, if it was also trying to take an exploited, like a purposefully exploitative angle, which it does, it does it still does not work at all because you have uh other like home invasion films uh like inside uh 2006 you have the strangers um if you're trying to make a movie about knock about, at the cabin which just came out this year knock at the cabin i guess i guess I like Hush. at least m night Shyamalan throws his whole shamalusi into the movie this listen like crap. that's all of eli <laughs> ross eli Koff. Okay, <laughs> puts it all in there. Hey, that's his Eli Moss. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I'll I'll see myself out. More like Eli Slot, because it makes me want to, like, I don't know. <laughs> just recline just, and do not, and I, reflect on life. I feel like you can't life. write characters that are real people. Absolutely you know I mean? not. Whether it's um, Gina Rodriguez's think... character in Hostel or everybody in this movie, they're not real people. Mm-mm. Which I mean, just just uh, as far as like you know, cin- cinematically, as far as you know, you're talking about. I absolutely agree. Like, I don't buy a single thing. Like Hostel, I think that's why I was absolutely just non affected by that movie because. I did not care about a single thing that happened to any of those characters. Um, and I think that's why I liked Hostile 2 better, is I actually thought the cast was a lot more um, interesting. And they had some something going on. Something going on. I'm, like, reaching for anything. Like, any sort of, like, sprinkling of a personality trait, you know? Um, M. Night Shyamalan is a great comparison in that he can do similar things but at least he (laughs) he he goes above and beyond with his characterization maybe to the point of of uh it being quite on the nose but yeah knock knock combines gross exploitation and the weird double standard thing that was going on at the time i would also recommend spring breakers in its stead because I feel like it kind of takes those kind of characters, but puts them in a in a situation in in a in a kind of framing that fits better for them. If you're looking for a, a double standard horror movie, or a movie, you know, like a, a scary movie about double standards that actually talks about it in a way that is like very sad and very stressful. Look at the Hunt with Mass Mickelson, you know. Ooh. Top Don't four, watch- baby. Just watch it for the memes. That's all. The cap cuts, cap cup ten, cap cut templates are there. Keanu Reeves is there, acting his little heart out, and that's all. You don't watch this fucking movie. It's awful. It's absolute. It's actually awful, and I actually really fucking hate it. It's a terrible film. Both of those mentions have something that this movie did not, and that is a good director, whether it's Thomas Vinterberg, or uh, for The Hunt, or um, Le Harmony Crew. Oh. Harmony Corinne from Spring Breakers, they're both better directors than uh than Eli Roth for sure. 
And that's that's important when you're making a movie like that, the high concept or low concept, depending on how you look at it. Um, mm -hmm. And speaking of low concepts, that's going to bring me to my first pick, which is a movie that I fucking despise, but also uh, is systematic of a bigger problem that we had at the turn of this last decade, 2010s and beyond. And the movie is from 2010 and it's called Vampires Suck by oh, no. Aaron Seltzer and Jason Friedberg. Um, this movie is fucking atrocious. It is the parody <laughs> movie uh, duo that ruined the scary movie parody style movie. And basically, these guys would just take any genre and just mash all the crap up into it and then call it a script that was usually between 80 and 95 minutes. This one parodies the Twilight series, obviously. And it might be the worst of them. And that's saying something considering how bad Meet the Spartans an epic movie and superhero movie actually are. None of the jokes are funny. None of the humor is that's supposed to be there is there. None of the actors are particularly well uh, placed in their roles. And there's some genuinely funny people in this movie. I mean, Ken Jong is hilarious and he's in this movie. Dave Foley is amazing and he's in this movie. And they're just not given anything to work with because these guys are incapable of being actual directors and they're incapable of making anything other than bottom feeding garbage and rant oh man i uh i'm very lucky that i actually have not seen this movie because this movie was i i remember it because when i was in high school this movie was humongous everyone was fucking obsessed with twilight uh thankfully i didn't necessarily fall into that niche. necessarily uh but all they would talk about was vampires suck alongside twilight i don't know why i that was just a big experience that i had in high school and middle school so i don't i i think it in that right it's for a much younger or a much more immature minded audience can i just mention something well i thought when you named the directors for some reason and i know this isn't true because you know it's it's not but for a second i thought you were gonna say aaron sorkin i would never do such a thing i love aaron sorkin how dare you no. <laughs> from aaron sorkin the director of the acclaimed film vampires suck Frank's now i have to say we good. have been we have not been graced by their whatever you want to call it, presence or whatever you want to call the actuality of their existence since 2005, or I'm sorry, since 2015, when they made Super Fast. Can y'all guess what that one's a parody of? Oh, no. The Fast and the, the Furious. The Flash? What? I was going to say Super Bad. No. Oh, yeah. They already did that. They already mixed that into um teen movie or whatever, uh, disaster movie or something. One of their bullshit movies. Okay, what's Super Flash? Let's see. Super, Super fast. Flash film. Super Fast. Super Fast. Great title. Super, Super Ass. That's, that's what I'm calling it, yes. Yeah, Super that ass. might be yeah, the podcast. Oh, the poster's killing me. Oh, no. Oh, God. What a horrible poster. We're family. Oh, no. Family. They're, they're going the nowhere fast. That's the, that's the title of this fucking episode. They're going nowhere fast. From the filmmakers of The Starving Games, Meet the Spartans, and Vampire Stuck. 
Oh, I remember the Starving Games. Oh my god. Didn't see that one. I thought that was a YouTube parody video. I didn't know that was a film. No, I just remember seeing the one like scene that got viral that they parodied. Uh, No, the poster's kind of a vibe though. (laughs) It's a vibe. Don't don't help them. I I love all this. (laughs) There's at least like there's at least three smolders in the poster alone. Love that. In the starving game one? Brilliant. Oh, uh, on the super fast poster. Oh, there's at least five. Yeah, and then there's a guy like holding the chip to his mouth or something like. <laughs> like... <laughs> smolder, smolder, smolder. Yep, there's three smolders, a confused look, a smile, and the guy eating a chip. He's trying to be like. Either he's trying to be like light, or is he trying to be like Hans from Fast Five? But like Fast Five, Fast Five is also one of the greatest films ever made, by the way. Uh, Fast Five, I don't know if it came out before or after Super Fast, but in Fast um, Five, it probably Hans came out right little... around the same time. Well, they infiltrated into Universal and just grabbed the script for Fast Five and said, "You know what?" We're not going to do anything on here, but we're going to keep the guy who has an obsessive snacking obsession. Wow. Yes. An obsessive snacking an obsessive snacking quirk. You want to know the smoke or whatever. You want to know the, the the sad thing about these things is they don't make that much money. Really? But how much do they cost million, to make? 20 million oh. budget, gross 36. <laughs> Studio execs, a win is a win. A win is a win. <laughs> a win Almost is double a win. our money. A win is a win. Can we make <laughs> another one? They can make two more of these. Let's go. Okay, so Superfast has an IMDb rating of 4.1. The Starving Games has 3.2. And then let's see. Vampire and Sucks is a 3.4. Oh, let's add it up to 10. <laughs> it's a number rounded up. It's a number right round up. <laughs> round round 3.2 up to 10. <laughs> if you round it up. Uh, wait, I want to see uh I want to see what the what do you call it? The parody names for the characters are. I have oh, them right God. here. Okay. Uh Becca Crane, uh Edward Sullen, and Jacob White. <laughs> That's so. Mm, you could do so much better, though. I know. Yeah. And then there's Super Fast, which has Lucas White, mm. Vin Sorrento. Oh my god! Okay, so Lucas White is Brian O'Connor. Vin Sorrento is Toretto. Jordana, Michelle Curtis, Douglas Jr. Cool Asian. <laughs> what? <laughs> he doesn't have a name. He's just called Cool Asian. Dot dot dot. Oh my god, okay. bro. Oh, that's, that's not that's racist. Weird. Anyway, that's not racist. No, not at all. Not at For all. For the starving games, you have can't miss. You have. <laughs> you have okay, that one's clever. That's cool. That one's that was nice. I can't miss. Uh, clear. Yeah, none of these are just interesting. 
Oh, but Cinna is cinnamon. That's kind of a good Cinnamon. <laughs> cinnamon. cinnamon. Your designer. And then there's a character called Gandalf. I'm not her. Uh, is that supposed to be? No, it's uh, probably yeah, just I think Gandalf. He just a... It's just Gandalf. Like he appears at one point and it's supposed to be funny. And like some quirky rap beat plays underneath as they, you know, like these, do whatever. I mean, James mentioned. These are all, I mean, to be fair, not to be fair, but to make a reference, these are all like during the big YouTube hype video era. You know, all of like the Tabuscus humor. You have, um, Tabuscus. Yeah, Tabuscus. You have the, uh, what is it? The rap videos. What was it? Epic Greatest rap favorite. battles of history. Yeah, epic rap battles of history. Still going. It's still going. Yep. Yeah. Oh. The Smosh era. Just the all Smosh of that. era. God, Just... what an era! Be just nostalgic about like YouTube from like 2008 to 2011, 12. So awful, but so innocent, but also not. I was what alive is... for all that. <laughs> So was adult. I lived through it as a teenager and I still hated it. You were I, I was a grown adult. What well, everything was neon, mustache glasses, avocados. Mustache I love Yeah, avocados. okay, okay. <laughs> avocados. <laughs> and this is bringing up about a lot of like trauma for me, honestly. <laughs> this is bringing up a lot of repressed high school memories for me. Well, well, we lost her, James. She's, in, she's lost in those. Uh, <laughs> she's lost in those memories. So, now that we're done talking about that piece of garbage, what piece of garbage are we talking about next, James? Oh man, I don't know which one to pick first, but um. Oh my god. Okay. One of them I'm really excited for. Okay, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the 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 safe pick first because I want to I want to save my anger for for last. Jaws the Revenge, which was, I mean, it it's it's really incredible how far the Jaws franchise. I can't believe I can call it a franchise because it, it shouldn't even be a franchise to be given with. But it should be one movie. Jaws should be one movie. Although two, never mind. So Jaws four, basically the Revenge basically this time it's personal basically is so if you take the first jaws and then jaws the revenge and put them next to each other they're not just completely different movies you could distinguish you you could place jaws in its own thing and place jaws the revenge in its own thing like if you get what i'm saying like it's as, it's as if you put like megalodon next to jaws they're two completely different movies in that regard that's basically what jaws of revenge is the shark has vocal cords and uh, and roars when it's stabbed and then breaks into a musical number no i'm just kidding but it'd be really cool <laughs> <laughs> um it i mean it's it really is remarkable and funny thing michael kane couldn't accept his academy award in person because he was filming Jaws of Revenge. Oh no. <laughs> so you know, massive loss there. Um 
I mean, I guess Michael Caine just, you know, he's 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 a terrific actor and I love him. He's actually really great in this, surprisingly. <laughs> um but he's great in everything. And yeah, it's a very contrived lump of an afterthought of once was and what will never be captured again. Like there's a there's a certain quality that Jaws have that that nothing really else in the Jaws series captured ever since. Um and it's just very it feels you know what it feels like? I'll sum it up with 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 a few words. It feels like when you go down so you're at the beach and you go down to sit on a rock and the rock is just very hot and you have wet shorts on so the burn of the rock stays in your shorts after you get up that's kind of what it feels like watching it you you go like oh I wonder if it'll be good. Nope, it's not good. I'm getting up. Oh, shit. It's actually kind of bad. And I got to keep watching because I can't even believe what's happening right now. And, you know, the burn sticks with you. So, yeah. Jaws the Revenge. It's it's not it's not great, guys. It's, it's really not. The worst thing about this movie, like, say the worst, like, most dumbest moment, per se, where you were like, this is the war. I'm going to choose this movie today. This is why this movie is terrible, kind of thing. That oh. moment. That would be. Oh, it's, it, for me, it's got to be when. <laughs> it's either when Alan uh, Brody is saying, like, the shark is coming for them and knows that they're on the bomb, that they're in the bombs. The shark <laughs> follows them from wherever the hell it is to the Bahamas. And then at the very end, she starts having it it intercuts with the finale of Jaws when 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 Brody, played by the late great Roy Scheider, is firing shots into the shark coming towards them with a nitrogen shake tank it cuts between him and her and she like gets the power to stab the shark with the mast of the boat or whatever and like it's with it's the power very of with the power <laughs> of red and the worst thing about it is that the flashbacks are all in red like they have this red tint to them oh, like if God. someone just took like a red like in an editing program took like a red photo superimposed it over jaws and drew the transparency down by about 30 percent and it, it's just terrible flashback and yeah it's just not it's very convoluted and it's not even why just just why i know why so this is and i'm about to tell you why hmm. So this is one of the notorious paycheck movies that Michael Caine did many of, and it's the penultimate one. Um, the quote that he said about the movie is, I've never seen it, but by all accounts, it is terrible. However, I have seen the house that it built, and that is terrific. What? Wise words. And he built the yeah, house for I his mom say... with the money from there, so. Yeah. Oh. Girls gotta get paid. Grab the bag. Get that, 
Get that Jaws bag. Oh, God. So this is uh, the fourth one in the series? Yeah. The fourth and final. Don't say that. Don't say that. One. Because you know Jaws Hollywood will make a final. Fit. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be seeing it soon. A new Netflix original series. Oh, Amityville. Uh... I, I really... I really hope not. The one thing I will say, though, the one thing I will say, if they ever do anything ever related to Jaws ever again, even if it's a short, doesn't have to be. It, it doesn't have to be a feature film. But if anybody was ever to do would would ever do anything, I would love to see a live action version. Uh, oh, sorry, not what live action version. I would love to see a film adaptation of the USS. Indianapolis incident that Quint talks about in Jaws. I mean, he already tells the story brilliantly through one of the greatest cinematic monologues ever, probably the greatest, uh, like an American film for me. Um, but, you know, there's a story to be told there. If they really wanted to go there, that'd be the one good thing to, right it, to do. But other than that, Nothing, nothing else. They Just... say, <laughs> they say, if you live long enough, you'll see yourself become the villain. Bruce was always the villain, but then Jaws, the return came along, and you're like, oh, it does get worse. It does get worse. <laughs> Poor Bruce. Poor Bruce. <laughs> and technically. Technically, I don't think he's a villain because he saved that movie. Because if he had worked properly, young Steven Spielberg may not have learned the restraint on how to shoot around issues. We also giving credit who also notoriously saved the movie. But yeah, like I like I said, Jaws was the catalyst for so many wonderful things in cinema and for um uh blockbusters and you know showing how how you could do so much with with uh the resources that you have and you know just all these things but at the same time it ended up inspiring like you said movies like uh megalodon the meg anaconda the meg. you know Congo. Uh, so- that so i guess you know if it was ever going to become a franchise which i've never seen a single jaws movie other than jaws the movie it was bound i guess i guess it was inevitable r.i.p <laughs> never I, again. I don't know why they make four these fucking things don't don't even watch it is that a, is that a byron jersey Will? yes are you gonna watch the game? No, I'm gonna go sleep after this. <laughs> it's not tonight, but I'm saying are you gonna watch Manchester City versus Bayern? Oh no, no, thank you. I don't like that much money on display. <laughs> True. I don't like that much oil money on Alrighty. display. <laughs> yeah. No, I so found a, a thrift store forever. actually. I'm gonna set a, a thrift store. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. I'm not a nice, Bayern fan. Nice. It's still, uh, that's all right. I like it. No, uh, now 
We talked about awful jaws. What you got for me, Shay? Oh, me. Okay. So I need to get... Okay, so this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to get one thing out of the way, and then I'm going to read a quote, and then I'm going to tell you the fucking movie. Get my wife's name out your motherfucking mouth! Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> now that that's out of the way, I'm going to uh, read the great <clears throat> quote. The very first quote from that that shows up on IMDb for this movie, uh, from the main character, played by the very talented and very funny Chris Rock. I've been staring at this shit for five hours. I don't even look at porn that long. <laughs> so the movie is Spiral, which is uh, uh, uh this okay. I chose a power player because it even hurts to talk about this one legitimately. And I actually watched this one all the way through because um, what was it? I had Sam Jackson in it. And that's why I, I stuck it out for this movie. He was the the savior, the shining star uh, fucking Mary, like the Virgin Mary in this entire piece of crud um, that is some sort of weird sequel spinoff uh in the jigsaw series um which you know other than it like having relating to like the cult of jigsaw has nothing else to do with the series it's just a very dumb boring crime true crime movie about like ooh, this wacky murder is going on uh i gotta <laughs> figure out who's doing all these wacky murders I think it's Jigsaw. Oh, gang. We got another mystery on our hands. Jigsaw gang. Um, and Chris Rock is a detective. I don't and know. He is one. He's terrible in this. I uh, I don't know. After watching this, I'm kind of convinced <laughs> that Chris Rock can't act. One, he can't act. Two, he can't write. I don't know if he's gotten a, got a writing credit. No, he doesn't. He does, he not. does not have a writing credit. Which is fascinating to me because a majority of his lines feel like they were improved by him. It feels like he's trying to stick in some sort of stand up or like so, just like trying to put just grabs in. a mic and starts going. It's frustrating to watch. Like every other line, if not every single line by him, he's trying to be funny, and is it's just about the worst thing that I've ever heard. The most unfunny drab drivel coming out of chris rock's mouth and this is the main character so basically he's mark Wahlberg in um what is it saw two and that's Ugh, about it i hate um, mark Wahlberg. place yeah he i don't know he's a detective he doesn't really have very many stakes un up until the very end of the movie you get the you kind of get the feeling that he doesn't actually care about anything or anybody he's just kind of doing this for funsies um I don't remember a single one of the kills. It's not interesting. It's not, it, I don't know. It didn't come off as like fantastically creatively gory or like scary or intense to me. Um, I think I pretty much, I mean, I, I fell off of the Saw series at the third one. Um, and then, you know, saw bits and pieces of there from what people were talking about. But yeah, no, this is, yeah, I saw saw 
I seesaw. Did the theme song play at least? I don't even fucking remember. I think at the end when they uh were like, um, time to play the game. <laughs> and then Chris Rock literally has a Mark Wahlberg and um who is the guy from the first one? You know, fucking ugh. You're just like, no, I don't want to play the game. And then that's how they end it. And that's it. So, speaking of the first movie, no. <laughs> speaking of the yeah. first movie, that leads me to uh, a little bit of foreshadowing when we talk about, usually we mention something in between the topics. The in between topic bumper this episode has to do with Saw. But I won't tell you what it is until I get there. Oh! All I will say is I don't want to play the game. How did I know? It's really cool, and you guys are gonna like it. But uh, I have not seen Spiral, and I didn't see it because you specifically told me not to watch it. Don't please don't. I'm not even like it's not even a it's not even a fucking dare because I am that person. I am that person who's just like, oh, it's bad. I bet I'll enjoy it. You know, I and usually I, I she does. Enjoy- Very true. It takes a lot or not even that much but it takes a lot for me to really fucking hate a movie and as much as the saw series is just all over the place if not pretty bad um minus the first two movies the first movie and bits and pieces here and there and the kill scenes uh which they're famous for this is this is this is how do i describe it it's fucking boring it's like heavy rain minus any creativity whatsoever. You like subtract just everything that saw and like true crimey, weird fucking stuff like heavy rain gives you. And then you put Chris Rock in their place and you go, hey, Chris Rock, just try to make this movie okay. Just like do whatever you want, basically. And uh, the first piece of trivia that actually comes up for this movie let me try and find it but i uh i find it entirely fascinating and honestly this movie kind of convinced me that chris rock is not as maybe talented as he seems and i know that's a controversial opinion or whatever but at the moment i'm not i'm not very much in his favor so the trivia reads chris rock is a a fan of the franchise and pitched the idea to lionsgate as a result, they made him one of the lead actors, a co-writer, and executive producer. So basically, this movie is a self-insert for Chris Rock. Wow. He just wanted to be in a Saw movie, and it's absolutely fucking terrible. The end. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> yeah. Awful. Sounds about right. Honestly, way, I just... So much- I have no interest in this movie when I saw Chris Rock was going to be in a song movie because it didn't make any damn sense. And it's it's interesting how they marketed it because they marketed it very softly. It's called Spiral. It's a true crime drama. Uh, Chris Rock is playing a detective. But then they're like, it's a soft movie. That really me. Um, but yeah, just not worth watching at all. Terrible movie. Hate it. Zero. Zero out of ten. Well, you see, around here, we do like talking about bad movies, but I didn't want to pick on one of the worst movies ever made with my with my second pick. 
So I went with the movie before that movie came out. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. And the best part of this movie, there are two. The first one is the soundtrack to this movie, which features uh, <clears throat> Kiss from a Rose by Seal. The second part of this film that's good is Jim Carrey. I'm talking about Batman Forever. Yes. Pop off. Go off. Okay. This movie is atrocious. <laughs> and I hate it. And I hate what they did because the Riddler's my favorite villain of Batman's entire rogues gallery. Thank you, God, Matt Reeves. <laughs> Thank you. No, no, no. So much, Matt Reeves, for bringing the Riddler to the screen correctly. Although Jim Carrey is the best part of this movie. Tommy Lee Jones has no business being in this movie. Uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm sorry. Wait, well, did you hear the story about Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey? Like <laughs> how they interacted on set? Oh, I'm sure it was oil and water. <laughs> it was horrible. I'm quite certain it was oil and water. You know, and, and I love what I love the most is like Jim Carrey is just overacting the shit out of this movie. You know, he's like, <laughs> "Riddle me this, riddle me that." Who's afraid of a big black bat? And he's just like in his shit the whole time. Or like, dude, he's got all the best lines. Like he hits the guy with the coffee pot, and he goes, "Caffeine, it'll kill you." And the guy's just like fucking dead. I, dude, I don't know. This neon nightmare that is Batman Forever is so fucking bad. Like, when you follow up the greatest Batman movie of all time, Batman Returns, with this shit, like, I'm sorry, no one, no one fans and no one fanboys, but, uh, you know, none of the movies that are after Batman Returns was as good as Batman Returns. I'm sorry. This is just facts. Dark Knight is good. Batman Begins is great. Whatever. This movie it was the start of the downfall that Christopher Nolan had to pick up all the pieces too. So it, it's a twofold attack here because this movie started the, the evolution of the character of Batman, but also the obsession and pop culture with him. It escalated because they, this was the toy movie. They made so I cannot tell you how many oh. goddamn toys I had from this movie. Because when it came out, I think I was maybe nine. Yeah, no, I was eight years old when this movie came out. And I cannot tell you, I had the Two-Face, the Tommy Lee Jones Two-Face. I had the Jim Carrey action figure. I had the Batmans. I even had the Robin that I made my brother play with because he's a bastard. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> love you, Mike. Mean it. Because um, I know sometimes he listens. Um, but this movie just didn't make any damn sense. I mean, you waste Drew Barrymore and Debbie Nazer as sugar and spice. They don't make any sense in this movie. What the hell is Nicole Kidman doing in here? Ugh. Like, she's fucking terrible um, in this I, movie. Character. What, I, I don't even remember her character other than that she was... Batman's love interest, but in the most boring kind of icky way possible. 
Correct. But you know, it's a great part about this movie, like I said, is that you can literally turn the soundtrack on and there's bangers everywhere. You too, hold me, throw me, kiss me, kill me, kiss from a rose, smash it up. But the offspring is on here. You got the flaming lips on here. Like, you know, there's good stuff on here. Uh, Brandy and yeah. Lenny Kravitz do a duet on there. Oh. I probably, I mean, I think I already know the answer to this, but why, why choose Batman Forever and not Batman and Robin? Again, fish meat barrel. That film has been insulted <laughs> and ridiculed across the yep. internet forever. People know it's bad. People accept that it's a garbage piece of shit and that George Clooney should have never worn the cloak. But we rarely talk about where this all started. Right here. I um, I think I remember this being the most, as far as uh the Batman movies that I've seen, this being the most like boring and non interesting. And I uh I've never watched this movie all the way through. Uh, especially as a a kid or a teenager, I think I've tried watching it a couple times. I think I've seen bits and pieces, um, of it. So it's kind of like nailed into my subconscious as a child as me just watching a very awkward kind of adult movie that just appeared up on cable every now and then i remember you know jim carrey being jim carrey and wearing a very strangely designed onesie and nicole kidman giving me the ick which should not be the case ever nicole kidman doesn't regularly give me the ick yeah, but Chase Meridian is the most boring thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, boring. I didn't, yeah. Where, just, just that whole kind of, two, that, it was, it, it's a very 2000s movie. I think it's a, it's very much a movie of its time. Um, And it's very unfortunate that it felt like a lot of talent was wasted. Just like you said. Uh, with yeah. Drew Barrymore. Um, yeah. You actually brought this movie up because I actually saw a clip of this movie on my For You page on TikTok for some reason today. Which specifically scene? of Drew Barrymore. Um, just the scene where she's just like, why don't you wear a suit like that to the Riddler? And Bruce Wayne is there. <laughs> and I, I never remembered her being in the movie. Period. And I love Val Kilmer. Um, I think he could have been an okay Batman. He could have been. But yeah. it's just a fucking movie. And it, it just wasn't good. It was actually kind of boring. And also to answer my question from earlier, Batman and Robin at least has like it brings the camp up to an extreme. And it's weird, but at least it's like way more campy and way more memorable. Uh and it, nice it, to meet it you. I think it tiger cats. You know, there's a lot going on here that I just absolutely do not remember. I mean, Batman and Robin has, yeah. you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze with the what's killed the dinosaurs? Dice Age! And he's just fucking as poison, as poison I, Ivy. Why I remember that. That's a core memory as a kid watching Uma Thurman like hypnotize or like, I don't know what she did, like use her poison hypnotize their pheromones pheromones that there you go uh and using that 
to uh, manipulate people. And like a bunch of men just bend over and she just walks on their backs. And as a kid, I'm just like, oh, I want to beat her when I grow up. So it had those things to it. I don't remember George Clooney as Batman at all. I think I Val Kilmer is far in that aspect. Uh, yeah, George Clooney. Val freaking Kilmer. Val fucking. Listen, I think Val Kilmer is one of the better Batman. Um, he's a terrible Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I think he, he had. I think he had so much potential, um, but uh, they just he just played it. I I think I think it's comparable. You could kind of. I mean, straight face, very like every man, uh, almost to the point of deadpan. Is right. Like I literally watched the first thirty minutes, and then that's. I don't even know if I got that far, but I just remember him being really super dry, as Batman. And I don't know. Out of all the Batmans, I think he's he's almost the most boring next to George Clooney, which George Clooney is just uh, is not interesting to me at all. His charisma doesn't sell it for me. But Val Kilmer, he's he's almost there, but he just doesn't cut it. And I think that's the director's fault, honestly. Yeah, Joe Schumacher is just garbage. Uh <laughs> Part of George Clooney's appeal is his handsome face, but they covered it. So then what's the point? Eh. You know? He's not my type. No, no, but that's why a lot of the older ladies would go to see George Clooney movies. Like, it's funny, I just rewatched One Fine Day, which is an excellent George Clooney movie, by the way. It's him and Michelle Pfeiffer, speaking of Batman. Yeah, woman herself. And it's funny, because Mae Whitman is also in the movie. She plays... George Clooney's daughter, but she's like eight years old. What? Mae Whitman. Look it up. Mae Whitman. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Mae Whitman, I did just wow. see her new series on Hulu up here. It's a musical um, romantic comedy. So, you know, they wrote it for me specifically. Um, it's an eight episode uh, musical romantic comedy starring her and the kid from The Flash, Carlos Valdez. And it's fantastic, and I loved it. And it takes place in, like, 1995. We do love the 90s. Oh, yeah. so it has a lot of 90s? Yes, it does. Yay. Okay. Which we That's very beautiful. much stand around here. Mm-hmm. Very much stand, stand around here. Um, stand. Jay, what is your last pick of the day for our first segment? Oh, dang. It's so bad that I already forgot it. Oh, okay. No, you didn't. So not saving, not saving worse for last, um, because I hate all of these movies pretty equally. But this is a movie that I I feel like um, is in massive distaste. Uh, not even in an int- Well, I mean, I think it's intentionally offensive because uh, motherfucker director, icon of doing disgusting things, Larry Clark is uh, very well known for, for like, you know, uh, filming this kind of bullshit. But Ken Clark, um, I mean, I watched Kids. We brought up Harmony Karina earlier. And I think uh, Kids, by definition, is successful because of Harmony Karina and because of how he wrote it, as disturbing as it was, everything felt like it was placed correctly and those disturbing parts were kind of placed in, in a way that 
were was far more impactful. It was still icky, of course, but that film I actually liked and had a uh, way way more of an impact on me when I watched it, especially when I watched it as a teenager. So of course I'm gonna look at the director, Larry Clark, and be like, huh. I wonder what other bullshit he's done. And I wonder if I, that is also going to be like challenging to me and what I can get out of that. So do, 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 do. I'm on my way to watch Ken Park. I have no idea what the fuck I'm in for. Um, and I've seen a lot of fucking movies that are disturbing in every sense of the word. I've seen a lot of bullshit, but Ken Park, I think is just kind of a pretentious motherfucker who just shows um, underage people doing things that underage people should not be doing, and there's no real point to it. And I've also, I, I didn't know that it was also directed by him, in all honesty, but I mostly because I, I knew that Michael Pitt was in it. And um, yeah, that one was bullshit too. Just a lot of underage sex. Um I don't know if it was simulated or unsimulated. I didn't. Yikes. Yeah, I had to skip those parts just because, um, you know, I had enough. And it, it, you could say that those scenes, those kind of scenes, take up easily a third or over a third of that movie. Same goes for Ken Park, but um, you, I mean, all full transparency, you literally, you see unsimulated sex between uh what. Is, who is supposed to be a minor and an older woman and the minor uh, teenage boy is giving the woman grown woman oral sex and they show all of it and, it's real. Um, and even if you know they had some sort of precaution where he wasn't actually doing it it was still no I don't think it was it was pretty real and when uh, that came up I was very uh you know caught off guard as you would be and uh that's pretty i mean that's the worst of it that i can remember um you know the entire cast uh, is you know has to participate in that kind of uh bullshittery you get the guy who uh actually uh is one of the he plays one of the adults in it chapter two you get to see him um jack himself off while he like asphyxiates himself yeah. uh, which that was a surprise <laughs> wasn't expecting that i was like oh it's homeboy from it chapter two and then guys you get to see his full cock and him literally literally jacking himself off you see him come <laughs> and bruh, i'm disturbed i've been just dis- how horrible but i uh i didn't appreciate any of that there's no point to it. And I think Larry Clark is, like I said, he's a pretentious motherfucker. I think he's a, a big edge lord when it was that time to be an edge lord when people really wanted to push everyone's buttons. You had Marilyn, the Marilyn Manson edgy boy era. And you would think, you know, especially for teenagers, you know, it, it could have a point to it. But I, I, Ken Park is when I realized that Larry Clark is really, other than kids, in my opinion, is a really useless director. He's a really useless fucking director. And Bully, I didn't like that one either. But Ken Park, I think, pretty much sold it for me. Uh, 
which is interesting. Kids is a movie that I loved because of Harmony Kareem and everything else. Eh, I hate it. Larry Clark is kind of, I think, I think he's kind of a pedo, but. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page right now and, you know. Yeah. Let's see, I see his, I see his filmography. I see what you're talking about, Shay. I understand your viewpoint. It'd be a bit strange to. He actively sought out underage people, and uh, you know, yeah. I I run the background of bully as well. Um, it starred a a girl. She was a club kid back in the day. I don't even care to remember her name because apparently she was a shithead. But besides the point, she was still a minor. And he was having her do sex scenes and he would complain about her coming on to him, her sleeping around with everyone that she could, you know, like that she thought she could take advantage of in some way, um, you know, that kind of thing. And he, from his words, he would just sit there and judge her. Um, you know, a lot of people describe her as being also a, a pretentious asshole, but also being a child. I think that's a very interesting perspective for a grown ass man who has, you know, portrayed a lot of sex, like, like graphic sex, like teenage sex in his films. Like imagine euphoria, but like, like, like add an extra of NC 17 dude. Like it's, it's definitely like, he 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 goes for that X rating. He wants to earn that shit, and it's just no good. Well, they did him the one X-ray. better. They didn't even they did him one better. It got refused classification at all, and it got banned in Australia. So yeah, they basically oh, said, "Go fuck yourself, Larry Clark." And yeah. to that, I say, "Yikes!" Yes, please go fuck yourself, Larry Clark. Bye. I'm holding my middle fingers up for those. I don't even like kids. Major yikes. You did or didn't like kids? I don't like kids or bully. That's fair. Uh, I uh, watched kids first as a teenager. Kids is depressing. Yeah, I like depressing. (laughs) Me too, but it's not not my kind of depressing, you know? It's hopeless depression. But... I definitely you could see what separate and again I'm just gonna put all the I'm gonna give all that credit to Harmony Kareen uh as a teenager writing from a teenage perspective while you still had the graphic uh nature that Larry Clark brings to the movie um and that Harmony Kareen definitely took inspiration from it was still I think unadulterated uh Harmony Kareen storytelling and I'm someone who who really appreciates Harmony Kareem's storytelling by how he commits to kind of character, no matter like how those characters, just like characters and lifestyle and all that stuff. And that's in the writing. And that's what separates kids from all of his other works. And it's so transparent to me now. Bully is awful. I don't get why people like that movie. And Ken Park is probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen as far as its content goes. It's just about the worst thing that I've ever seen that was consistently awful all the way through. And I don't know how I finished it. I don't know why. Through gritted teeth, Shay. Through gritted teeth. Through, through tears and gritted teeth. Mm-hmm. Does that mean it's my turn for the last pick? Absolutely. Well, 
I mentioned we we're going to talk about remakes and then also sequels. Well, my I talked about a sequel already with Batman Forever. Now we're going to talk about a remake. And here's the thing. It's perfectly timed because today, April 8th, 2023, a movie came out. And the original movie with the same setting came out way back in the day before y'all, you two, were even a thought in your father's eyes back in 1993. It's one of the worst movies that you ever watch. And it's the second time we're bringing it up on this podcast. It is Super Mario Brothers. Oh, (laughs) okay. All right. I got. I saw the new Super Mario Bros. movie last night in a IMAX format, hack theater. Uh-huh. Mid. How was it? Mid. Oh. Uh, Chris Pratt, please stop doing anything, ever. Go Retire. away. Retire. Mm-hmm. Go away. Uh, this movie is saved by Jack Black's Bowser. I'm just going to say that. Because Jack Black is the fucking man. How is Princess Peach? Uh, Her head is huge. I don't know whose (laughs) eyes are bigger. Princess Peach's eyes or Anya Taylor-Joy's eyes? Which one's bigger? Don't know. (laughs) Or James's. Queen's Mm. Gambit look. You fucking creep. Anyways, so 1993 <laughs> Super Mario Bros. Uh, listen, this is one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the source material. No. Likewise, really <laughs> Bob Hoskins is perfectly cast as Mario. I will say that. However, yes. as much as I love John Leguizamo, he doesn't have a mustache. Oh. Okay, yeah. But he's pretty good cast as, as Luigi. Come on. Stop it. They should have got somebody Luigi way Bob. taller than Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins infamously said in an interview, or famously said in an interview, <laughs> or maybe he wrote it down, I can't remember, but he's like, I played Leah. King Lear on stage. (laughs) (laughs) Play fucking Mario. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, That's that's ranked. Yeah, well, I agree with you. It's it's not a good movie. And but I will say I have a quote. I use from it almost daily. Nobody will ever understand the reference because not enough people have seen it. It's when, ah, uh, what's the name of the actor who plays Bowser? You mean King Koopa, Dennis Hopper? Yes. They don't call him Bowser in the movie. Koopa. Um, he comes in the room and he says, "Hidey ho, mammals." <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's how I greet people now. So yeah, that's that's yeah, that's how it's that's how it's done. And that uh, and then oh Pauline, I was gonna invite her over to watch WrestleMania. That's my favorite <laughs> line in the whole movie. 
That's my favorite line in the whole movie. Yeah, that and Heidi Ho mammals. No one will ever understand it, but you know what? I do. I get it. And you do. Yeah, it was insane. It was really insane. And I think the only thing that they kept kind of faithful was the costumes and I guess Yoshi to some extent. No, like that's how no, looked no, no, but no. Yoshi's adorable. That thing is atrocious looking. Toad, the Goombas, the Goombas kind of creep me the hell out. Like, and, and... oh my god! Like they're not even Goombas. They're like tall Goombas. They yeah, have like the head down like to here, and they're like, it's like fucking weird. I hate this movie. And we go like, ah, ah. It's like, like what? What are you I hate doing? this fucking movie so much. It's such a bad movie. It's such a, Here's it's the thing. So bad. Someone brought it's up to me. into the portal. Somebody brought up to me that it's getting a reconsideration from people now and that it's an, an a misunderstood gem. And that's just incorrect. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> okay. Don't Why? don't show me that. Ew. That's some dark crystal ass shit. That's terrifying. That's crazy. What the fuck that's 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 just wrong why how do you go from like this cute little like mushroom dude with looking motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) no it's so terrible (laughs) oh my god it's like it's just terrible it's horrifying i don't understand it i hate that that's one thing i can say that the the new movie does well is it understands the world that it takes place in even if chris pratt doesn't isn't an italian and uh charles martinelli only has a fucking cameo that pissed me off oh well oh and charlie days luigi in that right yeah but you know i've been watching always sunny i love always sunny never seen one season two I just finished The Gang Goes John. (laughs) (laughs) Never never seen it. It's great. I I just like, you know, when I'm depressed or I'm really high, I just put that movie on, hits the spot in all the right places. All the right places. I can't do it. um, Yeah, Mario the movie... Not even close. Came out at the height of like the SNES, like Super Mario World hype. Everybody was on the Mario train and just did not turn out to be good. I think, you know, if they ever were to do a live action Mario, (laughs) it'd be impossible because this is already. Like it sealed its own fate. That's why they had to do it animated, and that's why Nintendo's just like scarred for life from doing live action stuff because of that. And it kind of sucks because we could be having some really cool live action Nintendo property stuff. Like, imagine like a live action Metroid or a live action like Zelda would blow my mind. You know what? I'm surprised they haven't done. Zelda yet. They are working on one now. 
Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, saw, I'm working on one. I saw a great meme today, and it was it said Nintendo sees Son- Sonic's box office results, and it's uh, it cuts to a scene, the scene from The Dark Knight where the Joker's standing in front of a pile of money. Oh my god! And his face it says Nintendo over his face, and it's uh, his only line is "Give me the Italian." <laughs> <laughs> I uh, and- I actually though uh, as far as Zelda goes why they actually uh okay so robin williams was a huge fan of uh legend of yes he named his daughter after it yep named his daughter zelda so i just remembered why they actually never made a a live action zelda movie is because robin williams was supposed to be in it and then he wasn't and that's what happened well the funny thing is between this movie and the live action or and the Philips CGI CDI versions of Zelda and Mario that came out for the Philips CDI console. This is why we haven't gotten Nintendo properties outside of Nintendo for 30 years. Ropes, bombs. <laughs> this is why. And you want to talk about bombs. I mean, they put this movie together. How much does this thing cost? Uh, way too much money. Uh, forty-eight million dollars. Oh, you can get half of it back. Ouch. They yeah, and forty-eight million dollars <laughs> of nineteen ninety-three money. Nineteen ninety-three. How horrible! So that's a lot of money. Um, Wait, was that the? The one that you're talking about. Yes. Or the Mario Brothers and them into game or not like the oh, others. So yeah. Thing. So this movie, yeah, the new Super Mario Brothers movie didn't have high expectations and it doesn't even live up to those low expectations. Mm. Um it's Trashy. it suffers from the being made for kids thing. It's 90 minutes, it could have probably been a 20 minutes more and it would have probably been able to flush out the story more but as it is everything else everything in the movie just happens way too easy and that just doesn't work for me hmm. um i, don't know. I mean obviously it wasn't a movie that needed to be made but also for me why i'm not gonna watch it is i kind of feel like i mean i i'd first of all i'd rather just play the games and then second of all if i wanted to watch uh, a cute animated movie about video games i'm just gonna watch wreck it ralph again that's all ralph wreck it ralph uh wreck it ralph game forever but i don't think there's any i mean it is a kid's movie you know it's like the sonic movie that came out but i think that that sonic that was journey man that whole (laughs) i do want to say there is a character named Lumily in this new Super Mario movie that's uh, she's a scene stealer. She's a oh, the star? star? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's really freaking funny. But I saw it from the trailer. Um, Luma's the little guys from Mario Galaxy and it's kind of cool that they've got like this cutesy like <laughs> like nihilistic viewpoint of it. No, it's absolutely a nihilist, yes. <laughs> It's a cute little star that's a nihilist. Yeah. Oh. 
It's like the sweet embrace of death. And he like swings back and like it's adorable. That's me. Yeah. Wait, you can't even see. Literally. Man, that is not you. It's literally Shay. <laughs> <laughs> Just adorable. Wow. Adorable. Now, we talked about some bad movies. We were mentioning Spiral earlier, which is part of the Saw series. Yes. Hold up. Hold up. James, didn't you have one more movie? Oh, yeah. I bring it up because I really want it. Okay, well, my last pick, and this is, yeah, this is, this is incredible. And I will say, you know what, I'll, I'll go on record saying this. It, it's so bad, but I, I got to get it off my chest. This is a movie that was adapted from a brilliant TV show. A brilliant first season of a TV show, at least, or first half. Um, I watched episode one of said TV show. And then a friend next to me, who happened to be casually browsing Netflix after the first episode had ended, said, hey, look, they made a movie out of it. Oh, boy. And I said, oh, wow, looks pretty cool. It's got well, well, Willem Dafoe's in it. And he's playing, like, the character. And what? That's so cool. So, lo and behold, my fate was sealed when we clicked play on Death Note from 2017. One of... No, no, no. Sorry, 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 sorry. Just... It's not... I can't put into words... And or feelings, how things happen, just just you know that it went through producers. It went through a writers' room of people who had watched the original show. It went, or maybe it didn't. Maybe it didn't. Maybe that's how it turned out. But it went through a great many bodies to get to where it was in its final production stage. And yet it was made. And what we got was not something that not only bullshit. Yes. It was quite so. It made anybody who had seen Death Note prior feel really dumb. And make people who would watch the show afterwards feel even dumber. Because the plot is so mismatched and it's something when a show like Death Note, which is such a brilliant, it's not, I mean, it's not, it's an anime, right? But it's not just an anime. It's it's like a really good scripted piece of work. It's a good TV show. It's really engaging and it's amazing. Death Note, to fit all of that into a one hour and 48 minute runtime, I don't even know how long it was. And to just take a character that was so brilliant and bright and, and, and lovely 
and just make him another, you know, straight A protagonist who gets a magical power but doesn't know what to do with it and uh, causes a lot of things to happen. That's what made Death Note so good is because the main character got a power and he uses it in a really cool way, but that comes with consequences. It's not like, oh, I found this cool thing and I can do stuff with it. Oh, but I don't know how to use it, so I need to learn how to use it. That's what the main difference between the show and the movie is. But beyond that, beyond that, um, it's just it, the movie just isn't great. It's just not. It's a gore fest. It's like the the Netflix film your girlfriend picks when she wants a good scare. You guys are living in some upper suburbs of a very affluent social class <laughs> and she wants to get scared by the big bad demon and laugh at the at the wacky protagonist which is something that death note is not it's a so willem defoe perfect casting is real perfect casting but it landed on its ass sir 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 what is light's last name Oh, oh, Yagami. But, Yagami. You know, Correct. And, what and, nationality yeah. should that make him based on the last name Yagami? In Japanese. Correct. So what did they do in this movie instead of casting a Japanese person? They watched a shit ton of Fairly Odd Parents. Incorrect. They they just binge-watched the entire four seasons of Naked Brothers Band and said, that, that, that wolf, <laughs> that's the guy that should play Na- Light Turner. In our like in turn. our shit fest, Turner. That Turner classic movies is the biggest pile of shit that you could do to a great anime is whitewash it. Now I can't say Dragon completely Ball. whitewashed because Lakeith Stanfield's in it. Ghost in the Shell. Oh, it's not the and hopefully Ghost in the Shell was the last, but who knows. Who knows? Ghost in the Shell is like one of my favorite anime too. Yeah, Ghost in the Shell is it's fucking fucking brilliant. But listen, I shouldn't say this, but I would love to see like Perfect Blue sort of redone in live action. But also, why not? Definitely not. It already has been. You know. Black Swan. Ah. Black Swan. Uh, excuse me. Black Swan. Aronofsky. <laughs> <laughs> Aronofsky owns a property. <laughs> no more training yeah. you require. Listen, Aronofsky lacks subtlety. We all know this. We all know this. Okay, he lacks subtlety also because his audiences, everything kind of goes over their heads. Yep. What did it all mean? Not us, not us but I, if you look, what happened with Mother? No. Anyway. So, Mother's great, first of all. But the allegory is so, like, in your face that if you don't understand what he's saying, you might actually have head trauma. A lot of people don't. I've seen it everywhere. A lot, A lot of, people of people have head trauma. They don't. I think it's an American, like, brainwashing thing. A lot of people don't get it they don't understand what the movie's about and i'm like okay um, i mean at least this movie is here 
But anyway, I very much agree. Death Note is one of my favorite anime of all great. time. I have not read the manga, but great fucking characters, characters that actually grow on you that you actually get attached to. And it's not just Light Yagami. Light, who is such a... I don't know if I would call him a complex character, but he's a he's a character that goes through such a weird, complex fucking situation and goes through such a fucking journey and an arc and all this psychological pressure. It's an it's one of the best battle of wits anime or stories that you could ever come across if you're if you're trying to get into that thing. The character of L is one of my favorite characters yes. of just that weird kind of you know the weird oddball outcast intellectual archetype done to the absolute fullest 200 percent. he's amazing and he's got like a sugar addiction because i don't know he's just on on it all the time and it's not to keep him awake it's a cool quirk that he has <laughs> it's one of the few characters in the that film it's like <laughs> I'm... yeah, yeah. And the only good thing that came of that movie, and I think that's what hooked a lot of people on it, and that's why I considered watching it before the reviews came in, was because of Willem Dafoe playing Ryuk, which was the only, you know, thing that they got right. It's genius, but it's also, it was also the obvious move. Because who else? Who else? That role was made for him. The voice that, like, American dub literally, like, it's almost like they go out of their way to sound like Willem Dafoe. But no, just how they, they completely missed the mark on every single character that was supposed to be adapted into that. And you could have had like fucking Misa Misa in there too. Yep. Nothing, absolutely nothing against Margaret Qualley. Great actress. But why? Why was she there? Who is she? To I don't annoying. care. It was just all wrong. All of it was wrong. All of it was wrong. Death Note, I, we, could, we could all go on for hours and hours and hours of all the amazing things that it does. It's humor. It's like dark moments. It's like mind fucking moments and all that. It's but, so um, And I might this- as well mention this. They are recreating it. The creators of Stranger Things are developing a series. Oh! So... This wouldn't be the first or last time that Netflix fucking ruined a perfectly good anime. Cowboy Bebop! Bastards. Hey, it was alright, okay? (laughs) I couldn't... I'm sorry, I couldn't... I couldn't, uh... I don't think I could I could have finished the first episode of like Cowboy Bebop remake. Sorry. Uh, well, Cowboy Bebop. I mean, it's pretty much a shot for shot remake of the uh, Asteroid Blues, but you know. Hmm. Well, those are not the blues I like. Okay. Just ain't right. You know what kind of blues I like? See a space cowboy. See a space cowboy. <laughs> You know what kind of blues I like? What kind? The real folk blues. Yes. The real folk blues. (laughs) So, I mentioned earlier, because you were talking about a spiral, 
that I had something to do with Saw in today's episode. And so today I'm going to plug our interview with none other than Carrie Elwes. Oh, whoa, what, what, what? what? <laughs> I interviewed him last week for his upcoming film, Sweetwater. We got to talk to the man himself, Carrie Elwes. You all know him. You all love him. From Saw, Mr. Wesley from The Princess Bride, and of course, Robin Hood from Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Carrie Elwes join me to talk about his new film, Sweetwater, which comes out next week, April 14th, 2023. He sat down with us, gentleman, scholar, wonderful fellow. Check out the interview on our YouTube right now. Here's a little snippet right here. You know, the guy was a... had lots of eulogies at his when when he passed, and and so there were a lot of people who who knew him and spoke about him. So I I kind of drew on on a lot of that, and uh, found out that he was a guy who kind of had a tough exterior, but a, he was a big softy at heart. And because he was contemporary of Damon Runyon's, I kind of wanted to bring that Runyon-esque flavor to him um, because I felt that was important. And you know, I realized that from what I could gather that the guy was very much the color that really interested Ned more than 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 barriers of, 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 of professional sports was the color of green. Yeah, he was in he was interested in making money. And at first, his reaction to, to Sweetwater was, well, how, how's he going to help me financially? You know, and then we talked to Carrie Ellis. Nice. Goddamn, bro. So as you can see, guys, very exciting stuff. We've had a ton of interviews in the last few months. We've talked to showrunners. We've talked to actors, directors. We've been talking to everybody we can get our hands on for you guys. Uh, Which reminds me, our other secret topic today. And I'm glad that you did what you did earlier, Shay, because it goes right into our secret topic today. We're going to talk about some of our favorite movie quotes of all time. Oh, damn. Heidi ho, mammal. Quotes that we use all the time. Quotes that maybe just stuck in our head as we go. That whole thing. Damn. Okay, okay, okay. I got to look I gotta go on my IMDb for this one because I can't on the top of my head. Um, let's see here. Well, I already have one. I mean, there's there's a few. Um, it just so happens that I got the chance to catch both Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi in theaters yesterday, which is a very fun double feature. They're great movies. They are really great movies. And um, there's a lot of Han Solo quotes that just stick with me. That's because he's the lot. best character in that trilogy. Never tell Indeed, me the odds, yes. kid. <laughs> Sometimes I just don't understand human behavior. After all, I'm only trying to do my job. Yes, C-3P is just is, is, is great. Um, <laughs> but Return of the Jedi is when he goes full, like, sarcastic Harrison Ford mode. Yes. And um (laughs) 
there's one where it's like uh they get captured by the Ewoks. And 3PO sits up and all the Ewoks are going like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and like bowing to him. And um, it's like, they think I'm some sort of god. And it's like, Han like tells him like, I, I don't remember what, what it was, but it was, um, <laughs> it's like, why did you tell him like, you know, to put their weapons down or something. He's like, uh, well, I could do that, sir. It's not my programming. It's, it's against my programming to impersonate a deity. It just wouldn't be proper. And he just goes, proper. And like a very, <laughs> like <laughs> angry Harrison Ford. <laughs> it's so great. Just this he's, befuddled face of proper. Proper, and then there's um, and I'm, on be quiet. Hey, it's me. <laughs> it's so great. Can but, I start uh, on a depressing of... note? Yes, this Go is the only place. This is a quote, one of my favorites. It's from her, because of course it is. Theodore says. Sometimes I think I felt everything I'm ever going to feel. And from here on out, I'm just not going to feel anything new. Just lesser versions of what I've already felt. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Her. It's coming on up on its 10th anniversary. Don't say that. Well, it is. And it's still, it, it's going to stand the test of time for all just for, forever. Stand the test of time, my friend. We miss you. They do, and yeah, her is yeah my favorite Joaquin Phoenix performance. It's the best Joaquin Phoenix performance, and he has several good ones. So yeah, I mean, you know, what's there to say except yep? <laughs> you can you can dedicate a whole podcast to her, literally. Oh, we did, I've done it, twice, we did so. actually <laughs> dedicate an entire episode to the king himself, Spike Jones. He hasn't checked that one out. No, you did. It's a good episode. It is. It's a good episode. Uh, I, speaking of Spike Jones, he's also he also did where the wild things are, and I love that quote where he says his mom says to Max, she's like, "I miss you. I eat you up. I love you so." And I'm like, "Oh, Merp. Oh." Me and my family, adorable. we watched that movie. We watched it a couple times just because that was like, the, those were the kind of movies that me and my mom would really get to connect over. And when that movie came out, I it was really weird how even as a kid, I was nine years old when it came out. Even seeing the trailer and, and seeing the teaser where you see the horns, just like the, the silhouette of the horn, and I didn't even know who James Gandolfini was when I was a kid, but like everything about wow. it just resonated with me as a kid. His voice was just like, it was just the casting was all perfect. And we would watch that movie like a couple times and we would all just collectively like cry hug to it. It's crazy. It's a beautiful film and it's, uh, it's got great quotes and it's got that great Carano fucking soundtrack. And my God, I love that fucking movie. It's so good. <laughs> It's don't go. I'll eat you up. I love you so. Ew, it is so. Ah. 
emotional. It's such well, a great a, movie. Such a great movie. I have a couple that come up for me now. Um, to keep it simple, a lot of uh Marilyn Monroe movies, you know, uh, like Gen- gentlemen prefer blondes. You know, yes, I'm marrying him for his money. <laughs> I mean, you like a girl who's pretty. I feel like. <laughs> It's not necessary, but it definitely helps, or something like that. You know that kind of shit. Yes. <laughs> the ending pop <laughs> has been resonating in my brain a lot lately. Nobody's perfect. So good. It's one of the best endings <laughs> in comedy history. I'm sorry. Period. Period. No, great, because that you 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 gave me a quote because I'm going to give you another movie from that same director. The apartment. C.C. Baxter says the mirror. It's broken. And Fran Kubelik says, yes, I know. I like it that way. Makes me feel the way I look. Mm-hmm. And I just okay. got, I, I was at the uh, Big Lots today and uh, they had a copy of The Apartment on DVD for $2. So I definitely bought that. Oh, good. Easy. Steel. Steel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of steel, steel. you know what rhymes steel. with steel, James? Meal. Deal. As in, you heard what I said, Miss Kubelik. I absolutely adore you. Shut up and deal. Oh. Oh. That yes. was iconic. Shut up and deal. It's so Shut good. Deal. Um, well, there's also, I don't know if you guys know a little movie called The Devil Wears Prada, but there's a lot of quotable lines. Oh, so many. There's the whole monologue about the sweater which is just you know fine acting and it's just uh and then emma blunt who i'm just so i'm always in awe of just as an actor she's she's incredible and she's such a good part of that movie um (laughs) i can't remember how it was but uh because it, it actually has been a while since I've seen it. It's been like over a year since I've seen it, which is a which is a travesty. But um, it's like, oh, you look so thin. Oh, really? I'm one stomach flew away from my gold weight. It's like, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> it's perfect. It's great. Um, There's a quote uh, oh, from and, uh, 500 Days of Summer yeah. that I also love. Um, toward the end of the movie, if you guys haven't seen the movie, it's over 10 years old, so do it. Um, but he, he meets Summer back on the bench after Summer's gotten done ripping his heart into shreds. And he says, you don't want to be named as somebody's, anybody's girlfriend, now you're somebody's wife. And it's like, fuck. You know? like If you were the guy meant to be with her, then you would, she would be your wife, but you weren't the guy. There yeah. were so many. Uh, I actually finally just recently watched that movie, and there were so many like fascinating. I for me, it, it's a very symmetrical movie, uh, in how it's structured because mm-hmm. I don't know. It feels like almost kind of a two act movie for me, where the beginning is just like, oh, things are, you know, how he basically romantices romanticizes his relationship and all that you see that from his perspective and then the second half is when reality like really actually kicks in and you see like how the uh, the relationship actually is weighed between the both of them and stuff but how 
and I can't like say it word for word but how in the beginning he he says oh I, I love her crooked smile and the way that uh, I don't know she fucking sleeps and he lists all these things about her but then this in the second half when he's ruining his relationship he takes all those things that he admired about her and, and reverses them and it hurts him like yep. he says it in my favorite one is when he's listening to Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind on the Bus. And oh, um, and he goes, I fucking hate this song. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Also, uh, the middle era. movie, the middle part of that movie, Shay, is actually the um expectations and reality scene. Mm, yeah. Sort of, yeah, that's why I like this movie, because it's a great example of shifted perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yes, Where we were dealing with the expectations the entire first half of the movie, and now reality smacking our our boy Tom right in his fucking face. It's such a great, like, such an important movie to see, and it it like not just about like romantic relationships, but also about perspective. Agreed. Perspective and then how we how we tend to skew things in in our own perspectives and like we were all the main characters in in our lives right but didn't they tell you it was a great movie i really liked it i i feel like it would have been better if i saw if it was younger because i feel like it it's a very formative kind of movie that makes sense and i wish i think i i wish i had had it when i was in that sort of era but it was a really good movie and i really appreciate like a lot of things that it did. All right, um, guys. Yeah, like I also from that era, real quick. Um, uh, Little Miss Sunshine had a lot of yes. moments, and I saw that as a teen, and it like it, it really it really did resonate with me, like it did a lot, a lot of other people. Banger soundtrack. Oh my god! Yeah, the soundtrack. Um, Banger soundtrack. Oh, the uh, freaking what's his face? Sufian Stevens and uh, Devochka and uh, I, I do like Devochka. Michael, Michael, I don't know. Great fucking composer. I forget his name. Michael <laughs> Giacchino. Yeah, I, oh, wait, what? Is it Giacchino? Oh, Giacchino. I was thinking the wrong Michael, but still. um, Or I might not be. But yeah, great be. fucking movie, but. One, the, a lot of parts of it resonated with me, mostly like the <laughs> the part where Paul Dano finds out. Spoiler, but uh, you should definitely see Little Miss Sunshine if you haven't already. But the part where Paul Dano finds out that he's colorblind and he just absolutely fucking loses it. But uh, following that, like kind of giving a sort of closure to that, to his arc, uh, but also connecting him with his uncle, Steve Carell. Um, in the end, when they're just sharing a moment on the pier, and uh, Steve Carell is just kind of ruminating on just how suffering is just a part of the living experience. And he describes as being young, as like those being your prime suffering years. And that quote has resonated with me in my prime suffering years. And I'm like, you know what? It's It's cool. These are your prime suffering years. You're good. So yeah, I'm gonna throw that. You're good. I like that. One. Obviously, yeah, 
Um, Oscar-winning screenplay from Eternal Sunshine. Constantly talking isn't necessarily communicating. There you go. <laughs> Tony Collette. Nah. Yep. Joel, again, what a loss to spend so much time with someone only to find out that she's a stranger. Yeah. There's just... Sorry, refuge of losers <laughs> yes sarcasm is trying to bring winners down to their level wow richard you really opened my eyes to what to such a loser i am how do i owe you for these pearls of wisdom oh that one's on the house oh while that's with, between greg kinnear and steve carell right uh-huh that's that's one of my favorite scenes in that movie because you can tell yes. that greg kinnear's uh slightly tolerating Everybody, the entire movie, mm -hmm. but that he doesn't want to because he's course, a fucking ass. We're going to talk about this movie at some point in the podcast history because it's such a great movie, but we mustn't dwell. No, not today. We can't. Not on Rex Manning Day. And if you've never seen the movie that that's a quote from, it's Empire Records from 1995, one of my personal favorite films. Not and not one that we've talked about many times on here or at all. Um, there's a scene where um, Debbie, played by I think Robin Tunney, tries to kill herself with a big razor early in the film. We don't know that that's the case, but they make fun of like her for using a big razor. And later on in the movie, she's pushed about why why she did it and her. Quote is, I went to rock and roll heaven and I wasn't on the guest list. Oh, I like that. Oh, and I love that. And that movie set, you want to talk about an amazing 90s soundtrack? Empire Records is the movie for amazing 90s alternative soundtracks. You have the Cranberries, War is on there. Uh, everyone's on this fucking soundtrack. It's so good. Uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket. There's all kinds of great so songs in this movie. And the cast is fantastic. You have Robin Tunney, Renee Zellweger, Ethan M. Embry, um, Liv Tyler, Anthony LaPaglia. If you've never seen this movie, uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. Oh, ACDC is also on the soundtrack. Empire Records. Okay. You've never Can seen I... it? I actually have not. So it was directed by Alan Moyle. I've never heard of them either. Yeah, you won't. This movie has Shay written all over it, dude. <laughs> I have to watch it then. Uh, I'm still catching up on movies that I missed as a kid and as an unborn person. I only just recently watched School of Rock, which I... Great movie. I'm shaking hands. Brilliant movie. It's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Richard Linklater movies at the it's, moment. It's amazing. Linklater, as I think everybody here knows, I think I may have mentioned this before, is one of my top five favorite directors. I love Richard Linklater. And School of Rock is fucking amazing. They're screening Days and Confused here on the uh, on the 20th, well, or the 16th, to celebrate the 30th anniversary. Well, that's a little far. <laughs> <laughs> too bad come on down guys let's watch it <laughs> a little far um they are screening they have actually a they have a revival theater out here in columbus 
So they screen a lot of old stuff. And actually, that brings me to something else I want to mention. The Columbus uh, Film Festival is coming up April 24th through the 30th. We're going to try and make it. But also, May 3rd is the deadline. Tribeca Film Festival 2023. I'm already working on our applications. You want to go, bitch? Down. Okay. You want to go, bitch? Tribeca? Sounds like fun. We're not going to go in person. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm still going to go. I'm not <laughs> going to New York. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like, wait, when it, when is Tribeca? Uh, sometime in June. Late May. Oh, that might be brilliant. That might be sufficiently Do you adequate. Have that in your schedule for chat. us? I'll put it in. I'll put it into the schedule. Why not? Schedule. That would be. That would be a. That would be a lock. That so I brought up the sure. soundtrack for Empire Records just so you could understand. Okay. So one of the biggest songs on this is I don't know if you've ever heard of "Till I Hear It From You" by the Jim Blossoms. I don't know. I Can't say I have. From you. you never heard that song? Nineties hit. I can't I believe you that. Uh, video killed the radio star. Nineties hit, baby. You know that one, right? Which one was it? Video killed the radio star by the Bungles. Uh, Thorn in My Side by Quicksand, which is a great early 90s hardcore track. Um, yeah, I Want Blood. <laughs> if you want blood, you've got it by ACDC. Uh, Counting Blue Cars by Dishwalla. You've heard that one, right? It goes, and tell me all your thoughts on God, because I'd really like to meet her. That sounds so familiar. It's a very big 90s hit. Sounds very jazzy. Yeah, Crazy like Life by Toad the Wet Sprocket. Uh, Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits. Here's a weird piece of trivia for you. Romeo and Juliet by Dire Straits is used in two movies that Ethan Embry is in. The first is Empire Records. Do you know what the second one is? No. Really? It is also a very good late 90s film called Can't Hardly Wait. Haven't seen that one either. That one came out in 1998. It's on the list. On the list. Should be on your list. It's on Hulu too, so you guys should definitely check that one out. Because The Cranberries have two songs on the soundtrack because they're fucking amazing. Yum. They are. They are. Guar has a soundtrack. I love the Cranberries. Gwar has a song on the soundtrack. Who doesn't like Gwar? Wow, Gwar. I'm First so all, sad that Gwar. I missed that concert, too. When they, uh, I believe they were playing here at Brooklyn Bowl. My friend actually saw them. And he said that there was so much blood that his contacts were dying. Right? How do you think I feel? My favorite band of all time played their most iconic <laughs> record in L.A. last couple weeks ago, and I could not go. Rip. Don't you hate no. it? I do. I do hate that. Oh, uh, you know the, the festival with Susie and the Banshees and and um a bunch of those other eighties bands playing, and I'm too poor to go see them. But it's probably going to be like a lot of their last concerts because they're all fucking old. They are old. Rip. 
They are very old. Now, I will close this fantastic episode number double deuces by saying, if anybody wants to get a hold of James, my boy, James Elos Frames, where can they get a hold of you? Uh, well, I'm I'm starting to use social media a little less and less. So, if you have a Raven, send it my way, and I will. Put a little uh, note to its foot and send it out. It's all you got to do. It's all you got to do. Or you can you know shoot me at James Elos Frames on Instagram if you prefer that method. But Ravens are what I can I can I can I can pertain to at this current moment. You just have to send them to a random Barnes in San Diego. Yes, anyone will do, and I will find out which one it is. <laughs> Correct. And then, of course, little sissy, my partner in crime in this beautiful podcast game, Shay Simone. Where can they find you? And is that Lucifer? Uh, this is Phoebe, named after uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge, Phoebe Bridgers, and Phoebe from Friends. Hot priest. Love it. Um, Brilliant. Where can they find you if they want to harass you on the interwebs? So if you want to harass me on the interwebs, don't go on fucking Facebook or I'll fucking kill you. But you can find me on Instagram at limina at limina underscore ninety nine. So that's the word liminal, but without the L underscore ninety nine, which is the year that I was born and also one of the greatest years for film. Period. Period. And yeah, I'm a comic book. I also do uh, comic book art. I uh have a book out it's called meat eating dirt bag please order it it was written by the amazing fantastical amazing smart um all the words michael anthony and uh <laughs> yeah that's about it um me and keanu wish you all a very great very safe night please do as much self-care as time allows and we love you and a happy easter as well to all who celebrate yeah. jesus being taking a three-day vacation Happy Pagan Fertility Day. And then, of course, uh, first of all, you can find me everywhere at Film Snob Reviews. If you want to get my personal Twitter, it's W-I-L-L. That's my first name, E-G-U-I-Z-A-B-A-L. That's my last name. I talk a lot of shit about pro wrestling and uh, video games and sports and stuff on my personal but then it's mostly movies on the film snob review stuff make sure you're hitting us up on all that stuff and and, and make sure you sub to our youtube channel because we've got stuff coming out all the time and there i mean Ellis, that doesn't happen without you guys looking at those videos and by the way i was born in probably the greatest cinematic year of all times 1987 why which wabamba robocop princess bride do I need to keep going? No, yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> no, my- you can check out my 10 best films of 1987. I made a list for the year I was born, the 10 best films that came out that year on my letterbox, which is Films Not Reviewed. Make sure you're following me on there too. For Films Not Reviewed, this has been William and the Snobcast episode 22. That's going to be the end of it, and we'll see y'all next time. Deuces. 22!